Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. WGR Sports Radio 550 presents... Captain Optimism is here. I'm going to get a costume, like a Captain America costume, and I'm going to replace an A with an O. I feel like you should just get like, a terrible like, $2 cape that's like, red <laughs> and, like, and like, like a cheap little yeah. mask. <laughs> Sports Talk Saturday. I just have, to have a piece of paper with optimism <laughs> taped on my shirt. On WGR. Oh, no. <laughs> Crazy Derek's coming. Stop. Wait, wait. Listen to me. Here I come to save the day. <laughs> there he goes. We're, we're all right. Sports Radio 550. Welcome in another Sports Talk Saturday for you here on WGR. Derek Kramer here with you once again. Um, if you were happy to hear Nate last week, I'm sorry, but that was a, uh, that was a, that was a one-timer. For a little bit of a for a little bit of time here, your nightmare is back. So we played the uh, Captain Optimism. That's because Josh Schmidt's going to be joining and uh, jumping in the chair here at noon alongside me here. Brian Kulziel will be talking with me in a couple of minutes as the Sabers take on the Vegas Golden Knights tonight at seven o'clock, and that is an ESPN Plus game, which means that the radio call. So it's radio only for the Buffalo Sabres network here with Dan Dunleavy and Rob Ray. So guess what? You want to hear Dan and Rob? The only way you're going to be able to hear that is right here on WGR. And, of course, our pregame is going to start at 6 with Brian and Paul Hamilton. So we'll have plenty to talk about here with the Buffalo Sabres, who I'm positing the theory now that they are the big, like the Buffalo Sabres organization is the biggest jerks of all time. Why am I saying this? Well, because of this. Last year, they get off to a slow start and play playoff hockey at the turn of the new year and miss the playoffs by one point. This year, this season, they start off terribly as we had great projections for them and expectations laid upon the franchise. They start out terrible. And now, ever since the flip to 2024, they've been a playoff caliber team. Last year, they were scoring goals, getting no goaltending. This year, they're getting goaltending. They're not scoring as many goals. If you could have connected the two pieces properly within the same year 
of getting the goaltending and the scoring than either last year or this year would have been a playoff year. Their top players are finally starting to play like themselves again. And the worst crime of it all is, is it going to matter this season? Probably not. You probably dug yourself in such a deep hole that it's not going to matter. So Sabres, can you stop being mean to the fan base that just wants to love you? But what does it also turn into? It turned into such a, uh, it's turned into such a toxic environment at home that they're getting booed for just the first mistake they make on any given night. And yeah, it's frustrating. Of course, you've got a team that has it's heading on year thirteen of no playoffs, and that's rough. That that's something that a fan base shouldn't have to endure, let alone from both of their professional franchises. In the Bills and the Sabres, they've both had this sort of thing happen. So I get that part. It's just that this is also a team that we've seen from its current construction be capable of scoring goals in bunches and maybe them giving up the first goal or making the first mistake, it shouldn't be a death sentence. However, the team has proven this year that that is sometimes the case, oftentimes the case. They're not very good when they give up the first goal, and they give up the first goal a lot. But it's just one of these things where how do you cure that by winning games, by being a team that is a playoff team? And yet, there's just this impossibility going on with them that Everything is confusing about the Sabres. They're at 60 points. Does 60 points get you somewhere in this in this race? Well, kind of. You're still 10 points back in the wild card, though. But the most frustrating thing about this season with this Sabres team is that they oftentimes cannot get to overtime. This is the season where we've seen plenty of teams have that happening. And I'm just looking at the overtime losses for some of these clubs. Montreal, 9. Boston, 14. Islanders, 14. Columbus, 10. Washington, 9. Pittsburgh, 8. Toronto, 8. Those are just the overtime and shootout losses. The Sabres have as many regulation wins... As the Detroit Red Wings, who are holding a wild card spot and are 12 points ahead of the Sabres. They have one less regulation win than the Toronto Maple Leafs, who are in third in the Atlantic. They have as many as the Philadelphia Flyers, who have an automatic spot in the Metropolitan. They just can't get to overtime. And then when they do... Against Tampa, they gave a point to a team that they're actively chasing for wild card spot number two. And this is why the three two one point system should be. We will do an entire segment on that. But it's just, this is just about how the Sabres are just mean to us as a fan base, where they finally get themselves clawed back and get to overtime. Against, like, the one team that they can't afford to do that with. (laughs) How are you real? 
<laughs> I've gotten to a point where they're not real. I'm. I know they're not going to make the playoffs. But here's the thing: I just don't care anymore. Just win games. Just be fun. I don't need to see a four nothing or two one loss in regulation. They have less points than the New Jersey Devils. No, yeah, no, actually, yeah, the, the New Jersey Devils. But that was not my point. They have less points than the Washington Capitals and the New York Islanders, who have a combined goal differential of minus. 55, minus 30 for the Capitals, minus 25 for the Islanders. The Sabres have less points than those two teams where the dams have burst open. They have less than them. But but that's because those teams collect these loser points like the Hungry Hungry Hippos. You ever play Hungry Hungry Hippos? Just smashing the hippo and like the next thing you know, you're trying to get all the marbles. The Sabres have no marbles. And then again, the the time they finally get to overtime is the one moment that they're it's it's a team that they're actively chasing. And it's not just a team, it's the team that you need to take down for a wild card spot. Instead of being down by 9 points, it's 10. Again. They're just they're the weirdest team in hockey. The Sabres by the way, a goal differential of minus 6. But they don't, they don't collect those points until it's against the team that they can't afford to collect uh, to give a point to. A win's a win's a win. You need all the points that you can get at this point. Overtime, be damned against who it is. But you couldn't collect an overtime point against, say, Dallas, a team that you pumped forty-five shots on, and you lost by one. You couldn't claw your way back to overtime in that one. No. You couldn't do it with Anaheim, a game that you inexplicably crumbled in, against? No. <laughs> They're the weirdest team in hockey. They really are. Detroit has 10 wins in overtime and shootouts, by the way. They're ridiculous. Is that Toronto, the, true, is that the, the true plot problem with this team? Is that they can't get to overtime or shootouts? In a year where everyone else is getting there, they're not. That's It's a problem this year. It is a problem right now with this team, given the circumstances and the environment of the Eastern Conference. They're not doing it in the year that everyone is doing it in gathering points. That is why one of the better defensive teams... When it comes to goals against in the East, is ten points out. I just like I said, they're behind Washington. They're behind the Islanders. The next two closest teams chasing that wild card spot. And those two teams have minus thirty and minus twenty five in goal differential. The Sabres are closer to the middle. Close to even. And the other team that's close to even in there is the Devils, which you're also behind by four points. The Devils have the same problem that Buffalo does. They're not getting to overtime either. And the Devils are a far better team than the Capitals, the Islanders, and the Sabres, of course, themselves. 
It's about the environment of what the league is doing, and you're not able to keep up. And this is the year that they're not keeping up. That is one of the things about this team. It's like last year. Last year, they got to overtime a lot, and it helped them. And also, they scored a lot, and their goaltending was a problem, and now this year, they're... I don't Again, want to say they're scoring. I don't want to say a lot, but the goals aren't there. The goals aren't there, but the goaltending is, and, and you're seeing that. And you could say the goals aren't there and that they're not scoring. They only have 174 in the year. Only one team in their division has less, and that's Ottawa. No, not Ottawa. It's Montreal. Shocker. And even then, Montreal just needs a four goal night and the Sabres to get shut out, and then Buffalo's in last <laughs> in the in the Atlantic in scoring goals this year. That is why they're the biggest jerks in pro sports. We're going to talk more about this biggest jerk team in pro sports. Because I'm going to have Brian Koziel to talk about plenty of things that have gone wrong with this season, but also what's been going right now, too. Because we can't talk about this team without them reemerging in a conversation. They're trying to bring themselves back into playoff talk. Since the calendar has flipped to 2024, they've been playing like it, that they deserve to be in the conversation. What does that mean? Well, that and more, as well as trade deadline conversations and anything else around the league, I will be talking with Brian Koziel, who you'll be hearing from later as well. But that's coming up next right here on Sports Talk Saturday. Derek Kramer here. You're listening to WGR. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Right now, Rasmus Dahlin. Middle stat. Greenway is in front. Trying to take the eyes away. Middle stat sees that. Pass across. They score! Rasmus Dahlin goes to the far post and in overtime. The Buffalo Sabres win it in Tampa 3-2. The Sabres winning in overtime the other night against the Tampa Bay Lightning 3-2. And uh, Rasmus Dahlin getting his 15th of the season. Topping defenseman again in goals. Or on the top of the board, I should say amongst defensemen and goals. But also a huge win for this team that is looking for wins by any means necessary. And in that last segment, ranting about how big of jerks that the Sabres can be in these moments right now, uh, going to overtime against a team that they're actively chasing in the wild card hunt. Uh, 
However, a win's a win, and you got two points instead of just one, and that's big in those kinds of situations. But what does it mean for the rest of this season? Buffalo's 10 points out, and they still have a lot of work to do. Will it ultimately be enough? Does any of this matter? Well, if it didn't matter, I wouldn't be bringing in Brian Koziel to uh, to trouble his day. Brian, good morning, and uh, how are you doing? Good morning, Derek. Just, uh, I'm doing okay. I was already up uh, bright and early for tea to green with Evan here, so... This is uh, radio number two of three today. We got we got a game tonight. I, hey, I you see got an here. all day. Vegas is Vegas is in town, so that's that's nice. We have a game tonight. I'm looking forward to it. Um, yeah, you mentioned it's it's still mattering. Um, you know, I I go back and forth on the math of like, okay, are they truly actually in this or not? And the math says not really. And it it's just there's so many teams to hurdle. Um, beyond trying to maybe chase down Tampa and or Detroit, there's still just other teams in the way. And Tampa and Detroit have been playing very good hockey, Detroit especially. So uh, there's just there's a lot of points. And the Sabres have been playing better as of late, which I guess gives us some hope and maybe gives us some tease here as we head into March and into the trade deadline week upcoming. But there's still a lot of work to do in the standings. They are They're paying for their poor start to the season for sure right now. Uh, not only paying for their poor start, Brian, but uh, one of the things that I brought up in that last segment was the fact that this team can't get to overtime in, in a year where everyone is doing it far more frequently than the Sabres are. Buffalo having only five wins and four losses in extra time, meaning that that's just not enough of collecting extra points here. You're looking at less than 10 games this entire season that have gone to overtime. The Islanders have lost 14 times in overtime alone. And it's just, this is just how things are going this year. They're not doing what everyone else is in order to try to stay afloat. Yeah, I brought up some examples on post game the other night about this. And I think you're, you're on, you're spot on in the fact that this is one of the reasons why they are where they are in terms of the, uh, the small amount of points that they have 60 through 60 games is that these other teams are figuring out ways even on nights when they don't have their, quote, A game, uh, to grind it out and stay close and maybe get that goal in the third that gets them to overtime. And even if they ultimately don't win the game, teams like the New York Islanders, who have 14 loser points, are finding out ways to get those extra points. The Maple Leafs have eight. Uh, The Capitals and the Penguins, who are ahead of them right now, have nine and eight, respectively. So they're figuring it out. And... You know, I look at four games, even in this stretch where the Sabres have played well. In January and February, the Sabres have played well enough to be a playoff team. We know, again, October, November has been uh, something that's going to haunt them for this entire season and ultimately probably will bury them uh, in the sense that they just they won't be able to recover from it. But there's four games to me that I look at this calendar year in January and February, which they played well. And I look at these are games that they had to figure out a way to get those loser points or get it to overtime. Or maybe because now you have a goalie that's so confident in shootouts, maybe ultimately pull out a win that maybe you didn't deserve. And I'll, I'll, you know, I'll start with a pair of games against really good teams. January 11th against Vancouver and then February 6th against Dallas. A one nothing loss to the Canucks. You're playing one of the league's best teams, one of the league's highest scoring teams at home, and you hold them to one goal. When you hold a team to one goal, there is 
absolutely no excuse that you should not be getting points in the standings. You lose one nothing. Uka Pekalukkanen plays outstanding in that game, and you lose one nothing at home. That to me, right there, can't happen. Then you go to February sixth, a home game against Dallas, two to one, forty eight shots on Jake Ottinger. You lose two to one in that game, and again another solid performance against a very good team in Dallas from your goaltender Uka Pekalukkanen. That goes wasted. Neither of those games in which you gave up one and two against two of the best from the West in your home building, you couldn't figure out a way to at least get that to overtime. Even if you lose both of those games in overtime and you pick up two more points, well, now you've got 62 and you're tied with Pittsburgh. And tonight you could tie the Islanders and the Devils because you'd only be two behind them. So just those two games. And then I'll throw two more at you. Two, you know, these are all one goal games. The losses to Anaheim, Mm -hmm. both of them. You start the West Coast trip coming off of two days off, ready to go, and you fall flat in Anaheim against the Ducks. And they showed up for about six minutes of that game in the third period and actually almost tied it with the goalie pulled late. Um, They ended up uh, falling there. And then the President's Day game um, a couple Mondays ago, the afternoon game against Anaheim, where... You outshot and outchanced them, and it was a rare day where Uka Pekalukkanen didn't have his best stuff here over these last two months, and you found a way to lose that, lose that game again by one goal. Any of these games, you know, if you could figure out a way to get those four to the, to the extra session to overtime, like you said, well, that's four additional points, and maybe in one or two of those you figure out a way to win. So let's even, you know, let's even just give them one more win out of that. That's five points now. Well, if the Sabres have 65, guess what? They're the first team out right now, and only five behind Tampa with two in hand and, a, and a still a head-to-head to come. And we're definitely having a much different conversation. I'm, and, you know, even just give me four loser points there. If we're at 64, you know, you and I right now are really talking about how excited and meaningful this game is tonight. And, you know, we're still sitting here talking about how it has meaning, but, boy, the, the, uh, the thread of what it means here is ultimately at its last strand right now. It is very, very, very thin in terms of how they are in the playoff hopes. And I just, even, you know, we, we can sit here all day and talk about October, November, December and how they just ruined themselves and buried themselves. But even, even as of late, those games ultimately came down to the fact that when they needed a goal, they couldn't get it. And those two on home ice, when you score 0-1, and one, when your goalie deserves to win, like, those are really, really disappointing. If the Sabres do play well here these last two months and fall a few points short, like I'm going to point to those four games right there. Those two at home, you had to have points, and two against a very bad Ducks team that you got swept. Yeah, and uh, getting swept by the Ducks, that was probably the uh, the death knell of this team when it comes to realistic playoff hopes this season. But what have they done since that Ducks game is remind everyone of the expectations that were brought upon them this year, which is winning for their last five games, getting themselves as close as possible um, when it comes to a potential rebound. And now you're lining up to probably the biggest murderer's row of opponents that you can right now. You looked good against Florida. You couldn't tie that one up. That's, again, back to that overtime problem that this team has been having. But they looked good against the Panthers. They've won all these games. and something that they haven't consistently done this year is take care of the bottom feeders. Uh, Montreal, Columbus took care of it. Carolina, you beat a very good Hurricanes team. And now in comes Vegas, Winnipeg, and then you're on the road for Toronto and Nashville, Edmonton and Detroit coming up there. So 
it's a very tough road here, but if the Sabres somehow come out of this on the positive side, um, not that there should be any optimism flowing through the team based on this season. Uh, it is potentially when I, when I say that they're the most evil fan or franchise in pro sports right now, Brian, this is what I'm talking about. If they come out of this stretch in any sort of positive way, all we're going to do is look back at the start of the season and go, what could have been? Yep. This stretch that you're talking about here, this is nine consecutive opponents that are in a playoff spot. Dating back to the Sunday game against Carolina, in which they won uh, in a shootout. But Carolina, Florida, and Tampa this week, those are all um, currently teams that are holding a playoff spot. You mentioned Vegas and Winnipeg this weekend. They are doing very well out in the West right now. Winnipeg's in second in the Central. The Golden Knights are in Central of the Pacific. Toronto, we know, of course, they're very good. Nashville's holding on to the wild card spot, number two right now in the West. And uh, Edmonton, of course, has been outstanding this year. Uh, They've really turned things around. So, yeah, and then Detroit, as you mentioned, to go back. So nine straight opponents against against teams that are in the playoffs. Right now they're two and one so far. And if they could come out of this nine-game stretch with like a six and three record, well, then good. Then the rest of the season maybe has some meaning and maybe they have figured out a way to get themselves back in it. There is at least the argument to be made that the two teams that are still in the wild card, that are holding the two wild card spots in the East, that the Sabres could run them down. Detroit right now is holding down wild card spot one, and you're 12 back. Now that right there, you're thinking, Brian, 12, let's forget it. But you have three head-to-head matchups with Detroit. Now you'd have to go 3-0 and in all of it to make it interesting, but at least that brings Detroit into play. If you're thinking Tampa's the easier team to catch, which I agree is, because you have two less games played, so there's two there and a head-to-head still to come, which, ironically enough, is the last game of the season. So that would be fun if the last game of the season still had some meaning at that point. So, But these other teams, like Pittsburgh, you had a chase. Well, they've played three less games, so that's annoying in that sense. And you don't have any more head-to-heads with them. The Devils, you have one more head-to-head with. The Islanders, you've got one more head-to-head with. And the Capitals... You've got to pair with, in April, they could be caught for sure uh, with those head-to-head matchups. But you're going to have to play almost perfect in these games. So, again, the opportunity is there. The math says, though, I mean, you're going to have to play, you know, you're going to have to win at, like, 80% of your points here, which they haven't done this year. So, you know, look at their appoint-a-game team. 60 games played, 60 points. So that's not, you know, going forward, they're going to be needed to be at a much, much, much higher clip points percentage-wise if they're going to get themselves legitimately in this race. And one of the things, though, Brian, about why it looks like there's kind of been some stronger play from this team since the turn to 2024, it hasn't been a consistent group this year uh, when it comes to point production, anything of that sort. However, it does look like there are some players kind of rounding back into form. You're seeing Tage Thompson start to act like Tage Thompson again and start taking those chances, the one-on-one, the creativity, and also finally getting some goal production again. He's been outstanding as of late. The only thing that's just not there compared to last year is the fact that, you know, last year we know he scored basically almost every game, uh, or it felt like it there during that stretch uh, to close the year. Yeah, this year we know his numbers are, are way down. He knows they're way down. But his play as of late has been the best of the season. And even just... Um, you know, Rasmus Dahlin saying he got the he, he's he used the uh, phrase, you know, he's got the swag back or whatever he said the other night uh, that 
he's coming in now with the thought of, I'm just going to score here. I'm going to go by this guy. I'm going to go through this guy. I'm going to go around this guy. I'm going to set up this player to shoot as a screen and shoot through him and ultimately score. And maybe the power play itself can benefit too. It's been, I'll say, somewhat better as of late. If the Sabres are going to finish this season strong in the standings, it's going to be because they also get some actual contributions from their power play, which they haven't for the entire season. And of course, a big piece of that is Tage Thompson. I mean, you look at what he's done still goal-wise here. He's still way down from where he was last year. I mean, 18 goals. And, you know, last year we were thinking, could he get to 50? This year, he might, you know, I think getting to 30, if you look at the pace he's on right now, could be a struggle. So uh, it's going to be a disappointing number season for him, no doubt. But, you know, he, on the ice, in terms of what we're seeing from his play, uh, we've seen the best of his season so far here over the last few weeks. And, and another player who's been emerging really well, and this is something that Paul Hamilton has said countless times. How many broadcasts have we heard this, uh, Brian, uh, from you, me, any anyone listening? Um, their best guys haven't been their best guys. Thompson's kind of coming back into form, but so has Rasmus Dahlin, especially with the minutes that he's been playing as of late. He has. I mean, he had a stretch there where he played 29 minutes, I think six or seven games in a row, which set a franchise record. Uh, The other night he was actually joking after the win in Tampa how he said, uh, when asked how he only, he only, again, only, only played 27.55. And uh, he kind of chuckled and said, yep, I had a lot more energy tonight because I got less ice time. (laughs) I mean, obviously, 27.55 is an insane number to play uh, in the NHL. And also, too, like his shifts are not sit back and relax shifts here, Derek. I mean, you've seen them. He is going coast to coast, carrying the puck quite a bit. Um, it is it's not. These are high effort shifts to use a, a, a phrase there that we like to use high effort. Right. I think. Yeah. Uh, these these aren't shifts where he's just kind of sitting around floating uh, or going through some sort of drill here. The, he is going hard in these shifts. So uh, full you know, respect to that. We know Darlene in his career seems to thrive when he plays more, kind of almost on the every other shift basis. For the Sabres right now, in terms of what they have on the back end defensively, in terms of what they bring offensively, probably is needed and required that he plays almost in every other shift basis. So, um, to, you know, to, to, to quote Paul Hamilton, what he always says, the Sabres' best players have to be their best because they're not as deep as some of these other teams if they're going to be great. And that includes the two guys you just brought up, Thompson and Darlene. If they're not great, the Sabres are going nowhere. Now, we speak on the depth of this team, Brian, and it's something I saw that you had tweeted uh, based on questionable decision-making, I would say, uh, from head coach Don Granato of shortening the bench uh, against Tampa. And one of the players that was affected there was probably their best player on five on five uh, chances created. And that was Peyton Krebs. We got to see a little taste of him getting extended ice time with players that aren't Zemgus Gergensen's and Eric Robinson. And yet here we are again, six games later and his line mates are again, Eric Robinson and Zemgus Gergensen's. What did he do? I have no idea. (laughs) I really don't. The other night when he said, Granado said about shortening the bench. um, Okay. I'm not against that strategy. Hey, in the third period, you need a goal. You're you're down by you know you're down by a goal here. You need one. Well, okay, put out the guys that are creating the most offensive opportunities. Well, that was clearly Peyton Krebs. He was one of those guys. Now I don't want to I don't want to just like say like this is the reason that this season has gone down the tank, but as of late, 
Peyton Krebs has played his best hockey of the season. And he's been setting up guys and making plays like, you know, was on his resume when he came in the Eichel trade from Vegas. He's making these plays that have created really good scoring opportunities. The other night against Tampa, I counted three very, very good plays and passes that he set up teammates for to set up legit what you'd call those high-danger scoring opportunities, including one to Gergensen's where he rifled it off the crossbar that, you know, if that goes in, obviously maybe uh, the game plays out even better in their favor. But um, he was one of those players. Skinner didn't play a lot of even-strength shifts, just power play in the third. Oposo just played um, after his first shift just a penalty kill shift. So, you know, I get maybe what he's doing with trying to strategize in the third. I just personnel-wise, that wouldn't have been the player maybe that I would have chosen uh, to take off here. Again, I don't want to overreact in terms of saying, like, this is the reason that this team is terrible is because they're playing Peyton Krebs on a different line. But it seems like you're, you are not putting – it's the square holes or the circle in the square hole mentality. You're not utilizing what he does well. And what he does well has been really good as of late. So I feel like why aren't you pushing that envelope right now to see if you can continue to get the best out of him? Uh, instead, you know, he's on a line that is just, you know, it's not meant to create tons of scoring opportunities with him right now with Robinson and Gergensen's. And Paul tweeted out from the morning skate that that's who he has, you know, going together again. I even wanted to give Granado the benefit of the doubt after he was kind of pressed on it the other night about, hey, what, you know, what did Peyton do wrong? Like, what's going on there? And he said, well, we were looking for specific matchups uh, specifically tonight against Tampa. And I thought, okay, well, maybe there's something there game plan-wise that he obviously and he and his coaching staff saw that thought maybe this would be better to put Krebs there. So I figured, okay, maybe against Vegas tonight he's going to put it back. Well, at least as of the morning skate, it hasn't. So uh, mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's to me it's disappointing. Again, I, I, I wouldn't call it drastic, but it's disappointing because – Krebs, to me, over the last two weeks, when he did uh, make that line change, I thought played the best hockey he had this season. Yeah, and uh, when you were when you were out for a couple a couple of days with um, with the Minnesota and Anaheim games, and I was there for that. Um, a lot of what we focused on, Paul, Pat, and I was Peyton Krebs uh, on those lines and uh, and seeing what he can create, and he was. He wasn't putting up points per se in those two games, but he was creating a lot of action, a lot of consistency with dangerous chances, Anaheim game in particular. Uh, so I was very interested to see how long of a run he would get with these uh, with these opportunities here. And that brings me to my next subject here, Brian, which is there's still kind of this weird logjam for a team that doesn't have as much depth as it should. And... What does this team do at the trade deadline? Good question. Do you, I mean, does this even weekend maybe sway Kevin Adams to go one way or the other? If the Sabres go 2-0 and this weekend, is he maybe more tempted into trying to get a player that can help them right away? I think from what he said before, he says that, you know, he's not interested in trading for futures, and that means long-term prospects and draft picks. So I think that's, I'm in agreement with that. So I say, good, Kevin, Adams, I agree with that. Um, I would want him to do that. If I was advising him, I would say, look, you need to start taking advantage of the fact that you have a, what's known to be a good prospect pool, what's known to be as a young group of of players, not only on the NHL roster, but on your minor league rosters, uh, on junior teams, college teams, you have those there. And you also have more draft picks than the average team. So that should be what he should be taking advantage of. 
Now, is it hard to maybe get a hockey-ready player? And what I mean by is, you know, an NHL player that can play for them right now to make this season better beyond this year? Most of the guys that are traded right now, we know, are with expiring contracts. Now, we saw the Tanev trade the other day with Dallas and Calgary involved, and that the rumors were Sabres were right in on that, but Tanev had the uh, modified no-trade clause and obviously maybe exercised it to go somewhere else. Uh, but the rumor was maybe that he was looking to sign an extension. So that doesn't put that out of play. We know the Sabres have cap space just because an unrestricted uh, free agent is upcoming here at the season's end doesn't mean that the Sabres couldn't trade for them. It just means that, you know, Kevin Adams would doing be doing his homework, which I'm sure he is, about maybe if he is if he values this player uh, for the future, that they could sign him to an extension as a part of the trade. And it sounds like Kevin Adams is interested in making those type of trades. Players that have term left or players that he knows that he can get an agreement with done. I don't think Kevin Adams, um, even if they go like 2-0 this this weekend and all of a sudden you're like, ooh, it's kind of enticing. Maybe they're in this here. I don't see Kevin Adams giving up really anything of value to get a to get the, uh, the short-term fix here, like the player that's going to play for just the final month of the year. I don't see that. I think... If he's looking to get an NHL player, it's going to be someone that has term left on its deal or he knows that he can negotiate uh, to get that long-term extension done, that it'll be someone that's a piece that's playing beyond just this April. So, um, you know, this weekend you go 0-2, and maybe he's even more enticed to to sell some other pieces uh, that are possibly out there. We know Oposo, we know Gergensen's, we know Eric Johnson. Those seem to be the names um, that are out there that are all going to be uh, free agents at the end of the season that are all veterans that maybe all would have an interest in going somewhere to try and do some damage in the playoffs. I would probably put Oposo at the top of that list. Now, you don't know if Oposo ultimately, you know, has said that he wants to be traded. Maybe, you know, he's at the end of his career here. Maybe he says, look, I've got a family here. I want to stay here. Just, you know, my wish would be to finish it out here. And I would respect that if that's what Kevin, if mm-hmm. that's what Kyle Oposo wanted uh, to do. And, you know, I... I don't think, Derek, any of these three players that I'm naming here are getting the Sabres back, like, difference-making things in return, and that's no res- that's no disrespect to any of them, but um, these are probably, you know, fourth-liners, third-at-best, you know, maybe prospects, you know, maybe mid-to-late draft picks, you know, for these players. So I, I don't think if you held on to Kyle Oposo, it's not like, oh, my God, we could be getting a number-one draft pick back in return for him if we moved him, like... It's too bad he doesn't want to leave. Like, no, that's you know that wouldn't happen mm-hmm. anyway. I mean, you know what? If we can try to end this on some optimism, the Leafs traded a third rounder for Ilya Labushkin. So, right? There's hope. And of course, we always <laughs> reference that Darcy Regeer got a first round draft pick for Paul Gostad. Never right? forget. <laughs> Never and forget. Maybe maybe Zemgus Gergensen is worth a second round draft pick. Then who I, knows? Who knows? But at the very least, <laughs> you could be hopeful that you add another mid round pick or something like that. That's can be packaged in a deal in the offseason. So there's hope abound here, Brian. And also, another thing about it is Kevin Adams' drafting quality, especially with second-round second picks and even some later ones right now, I would like to hope that there are players that you can select in the second or third round and expect that some of them can actually end up playing for your team because while those odds aren't as high, Back when uh, a certain Tim Murray was here, they were basically zero when it wasn't like the second overall pick. Yeah. No, I I think, you know, Adams has some options here available to him. The only move that I would be discouraging him against is 
you know, if you're gonna move, if you're gonna trade Casey Middlestat or someone beyond just these vet- those three veterans that I just mentioned, whose you know time is running out here, mm-hmm. um, it has to be for an NHL player back that's ready to play and fills a void. And it's not just the same type of player coming back. The Sabres have a lot of same type of similar player at forward. Um, I think it's the player, here's the phrase we like to use, right? Player that's tough to play against. Um, there has to be some of that. With a player with skill, not just a bruiser that has no offensive skill. Like the, You've got to find more players that are willing to be a little harder to play against. And if that means a defenseman, uh, that's also... I think Casey Middlestack could, could land you a defenseman that ultimately could be in the top four. I think his value is that. He's had a really good year statistically. Um, at this moment, he still is cheap to another team. Uh, he'd be valuable to a power play. So I could see Middlestad having a lot of suitors if that's where uh, if that's where he would want to move someone that maybe I think could get you a lot of value in return. Brian, we'll see what happens. And like you said, their direction could change even just as of this weekend and the pair of games there. They finally have a back-to-back, and that's, uh, that's going to be fascinating to know what they do in net there as well as UPL's played. They're probably not going to play him back-to-back against Vegas and Winnipeg. That's just a buzzsaw, and even as well as he's played, uh, unless he gets a shutout tonight, I don't know if they're going to play him twice in a row here. I would think not, but Granado just spoke and did say that to, you know they're going to wait in terms of like totally making the choices with the goalie. He just said he's not going to discount Lucan in playing both games because of the fact that there's no travel because it's home-home, um, it'll kind of maybe depend on the workload and how he feels after this game tonight. So Lukanen is in tonight. Now, it does seem like Eric Comrie, you know, against Winnipeg, he's played great against his former team in the couple of starts he's had as a Sabre. That seems to make sense. Um, but who knows? I mean, if somehow Lukanen has a light night and he feels great, you know, at least Don Granato, who just spoke with the media here, you'll hear that interview on pregame tonight. Uh, said that he's not closing the door on possibly thinking that Lucanen could go two in a row. Yeah, and if that happens, that's just a far cry of where Sabres fans thought he was at the end of last year. It's the story of the season number one at the top by far, Derek. If you said, what's the number one positive story of this season? There's been a lot of things for us to list of why it hasn't gone well, but I think it's the clear one that the Sabres have found something in Ukopekalukanen. And if Devin Levi continues to progress and can take Rochester maybe far in the playoffs and have a great year, well, maybe you're going to have a great one-two young punch of goalies going forward, and Kevin Adams can actually cross that off his list in terms of his NHL roster of things to worry about for next year. Yeah, and that's not something that you see often in this in this league is seeing a young goaltending duo that could go one-two. Not since, what, the Sabres playoff runs with uh, with yeah. the Drury and Briere teams, with Baron and Miller in that. That's right. It'd be great to have that consistency, you know, with those two in. And, you know, we know Levi loves to play a ton. Um, we know we don't have a huge sample size of it. Uh, but now it shows that Lukanen also can handle playing a lot of games here. But you're right. They haven't had back-to-back um, since late January, and that was the last time that we saw Devin Levi play. So um, we'll see if uh, the Sabres switch it up this weekend and you know as Don Granato said a lot of it will be answered tonight if we you know Vegas puts up 40 shots on them and it's a high effort energy game maybe overtime shootout that sort of thing well then that might answer our question if Vegas has uh only 20 shots and the Sabres win two to nothing or something like that well maybe 
Maybe he'll be tempted to throw Luke and him back in tomorrow. Yeah, that'd be cool. All right. Well, Brian, let's see what they've got in store for us because uh, for now, we're just going to have to wait. But you, you have yourself yet another busy day here. You started us off with uh, Tita Green, and I'm glad to see that you and the boys are back. And, of course, thank you for coming on here as we hear you later tonight at 6 o'clock. Thanks, Derek. Uh, and Paul Hamilton just let me know on pregame tonight, he just spoke with Don Granato, as I mentioned. Uh, he'll have interviews with Alex Tuck and also with Casey Middlestat, which, of course, we know has uh, been a juicy topic as of late. So those will be our pregame interviews tonight starting at 6 o'clock. All right, Brian. Thanks as always, and uh, we look forward to hearing from you before puck drop. Thanks, Derek. Have a great day. That's, that's Brian Koziel, your host for Tita Green, your host for the Buffalo Sabres Radio Network here joining us on the West Her Hotline. We're in, we're back out as the first hour is going to wrap up here on Sports Talk Saturday. Derek Kramer here with you. We've got another couple hours. Let's have some fun here on WGR. Welcome back as we wrap up the first hour here on Sports Talk Saturday. Derek Kramer, Evan DePasquale on the board here with me as per usual. Josh Schmidt will be jumping in to the co-host chair in a couple of minutes as well as he's on his way in here. We just had Brian Koziel on. The Sabres taking on the Vegas Golden Knights tonight at 7 o'clock. No Jack Eichel for Vegas in Buffalo tonight. So, no, you can't go ahead and boo him because he's not going to be skating today. So, once again, Jack Eichel takes joy from Sabres fans. I honestly couldn't care if he pl- if he I got my booing <laughs> of Jack Eichel out of the way and then he ended up scoring a hat trick. <laughs> I was at that game. Yeah, last year kind of Last year kind of got his revenge on that in Buffalo, yeah. but uh but now though it's just like if he were if he were to score a goal, I'm sorry, uh and like kind of point hit be basically gonna take the persona as I'm gonna be the villain and then point at his ring finger saying I got a cup like in a calendar year after you traded me. That, that I would, would love it. I I would genuinely I would love, love that. it because I think that I think as a fan I would hate it, but as like someone who as a want, hockey fan as I would a love hockey it. fan I would love it. As a hockey fan, I'd love it. As a Sabres fan, I'd be like, oh, okay, let's go. Let's go, dude. It's on. And I feel like there needs to be more emotion from hockey players. Like, there's How often do you hear interviews and they all just sound the same? Kind of so, McDavid? Every time. Like, it just... But, like, every time. And it's just like, you want to see more emotion. You want to see a little bit more personality from players. And I do think that that's genuinely fun. And it makes the game a little bit more of a potential, hey... Grow the game, you know, I don't know, make people want to watch the product. Because the NHL does a great job of making sure that people don't get to watch the product. Do I have another example for that? Yes, I do. Of course I do. You think I would say something baseless like this? No. I may be an idiot, but I back those idiotic things with facts sometimes. Ready? Tomorrow's game is NHL Network. Is that another radio-only game? I, I I would imagine, but guess what? Buffalo has two NHL Network games in their next seven. And granted, so if you want to hear Dan Dunleavy and Lavray right just here, keep, keep it here. Just keep it here, because otherwise you're not going to be able to watch or listen to the game. Because who has NHL Network? Also, NHL. If you're going to have NHL Network be viable or still continuing, 
Make it more accessible for people. This is not hard. Putting games on Hulu, great idea. Actually a marketing genius. Like, people have Hulu. People love watching live sports. Uh, Jalen Hurts' name gets extended to Jalen Hulu has live sports. Like, smart idea. Putting hockey on Hulu. Not a bad idea. ESPN Plus. Using your new network deal to its advantages. Toronto, Toronto's TNT, by the way. So, yeah, you're going to be getting a lot of radio-only games uh, coming up here. But, again, my main point is the league doesn't know how to market its games. Let people love this game. Oh, and referees, can you also let people love this game too? I'd really appreciate that. Thanks. There's no lay off Zach Benson. I just... I tweeted it out in jest. But I'm really starting to wonder if Zach Benson does badmouth the officials every day. <laughs> I don't know anymore. There's no good working theory as to why Zach Benson gets these weird calls anymore other than just, oh, he's 18 years old. Grow up, Stripes. I mean... He's the 18-year-old. You need to grow up. That I mean, is... Uh, no, it's rant time. Here we go. Zach Benson keeps getting these goofy, non penalties being penalty calls and then yeah the one that Don Granado gets fined for and penalized for was an actual penalty but you know what else was a penalty that wasn't called the hit on him that caused the trip like if you're gonna call penalties on Benson call the other guy too sure but him getting called for a holding when he didn't even grab anything other than his own dang stick and then got dragged down to the ice hey he got a penalty call for what I hate to... Actually, I love to quote Shorzy. For what? That better be his reaction every time now. For what? Like, I just... I don't get it anymore. And I might give Evan an assignment now of creative detail of, like, finding play-by-play calls of Zach Benson getting penalties and putting Shorzy into it right after going, for what? And, like... But that's where my head is at now. Oh, he's 18. We're going to teach him a lesson. This is what doesn't help the game, morons. I mean, you're seeing it with Bedard. I have saw. I, I don't remember who it was. I think some recent game the Blackhawks like, were playing against. He basically got ragdolled. And yeah. you see him on the bench literally like... Oh, he's got to learn, he's, he's learn how to play. He's only 18. If you think like that, you know what? Do me a favor and punch me in the face. Because I, then I don't have to hear it anymore. Like, because that's better than having to watch this and have that be the rationalization. Like, officials in the NFL are, they're booty cheeks. But the NHL has taken it to the nth degree here. And I don't know what to say about this other than, I'm sorry, Justin Kia, that you didn't work out as a saber. Like, I don't know what to say anymore. At least Wes McCauley makes calls interesting sometimes and funny and quirky, but every one of else of them is just like, you stink. Get a new job. I know plenty of you are like, Derek, also get a new job, but no. You're stuck with me. And you're stuck with me for two more hours. Coming up on WGR. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. 
Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 